welcome back. Or if you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. I'm your host, Aiden, and we're here for another exciting episode of the Push-Pull Factor, the podcast where we hear real migration stories from real people. So, fun little story this week, and actually pretty interesting. I got my 23andMe results. Now, this is not a sponsored ad at all. I, I, I wish it was, but it's not. It's just me being interested in my past and upbringing and... Also, as the host of Migration Podcast, I thought it was just natural, and I thought it would be something shared, something fun to share with the listeners. Actually, I was never really one of those people who were afraid of giving these companies, you know, my DNA and my stuff, you know, my saliva. Because if you're a person who's aware of the world and just how it works and how businesses operate, like, you know the government has this shit anyway, and companies track your every click, so if somebody wanted your DNA to clone you or something, or do some fuck shit, like, it's gonna be done. But yeah, the process was pretty simple. It actually happened a lot quicker than I thought. Like, my expected turnaround date was much later in November, and I got it maybe two weeks earlier than I thought I would, but, you know, you place the order, they ship it to you pretty quickly, you spit in a tube, you know, make sure you fill it up to the line, and you kind of, you know, twist it off, and you ship it back. It was pretty simple. You walk to the mailbox, put it in like you did your ballot, like I did my ballot, and, you know, you download the app, you kind of see what's going on, they take you through the process, you see where it's going step by step. It's pretty interesting, so I was waiting pretty anxiously, you know, ready for my results. And when I got to them, it was just like, I wasn't really surprised. Like, I had always kind of asked these questions to my parents before they passed away and had a decent sense of my heritage. Like, I'm ethnically Jamaican, but I was born and raised here in the States, obviously in New York. But all of my grandparents were born in Jamaica, and as was my father. But then my mom, she was one of the first of her family to be born here. It's like the first of, like, her generation of her cousins. She had a unique experience in her own right. And honestly, what, what I found interesting, like, when I got the exact breakdown of things, was that my family has a lot of different skin tones, and, like, 23andMe could predict, like, what your probability was, so I actually had a higher, like, a higher percentage chance of being lighter skin than I actually am, which I found very interesting, because, you know, I love my dark-ass skin, and I'm glad I got it, because I love going to the beach, and I don't like, you know, being under an umbrella the whole damn time. So, on to the results, actually. I'll start from largest to smallest. 70% Sub-Saharan African, what a, what a surprise. So from what I found about 23andMe and the, the research that I've done independently, is that like a lot of the Sub-Saharan African results aren't accurate but by the sub-breakdowns because there's not a lot of people who are black that do it. A lot of people from those areas that do it, I'm sorry. So it makes it very hard for them to specify, but also the, decolon- the decolonization of Africa, if you know, remember from history class, they didn't divide the borders according to ethnic groups. They're kind of, you know, nominal borders set or colonial borders set. So there's, like, even within one country, there can be so many ethnic groups with so many variations and differences that, you know, it doesn't really tell you much. It's like, for example, my results said 53.1% Nigerian, but, you know, what does that really mean with all the ethnic groups that they had and how that manifested before the slave trade? But off of that, continuing off of those results, 20% of mine came European, specifically from the UK, European and Irish, which makes a lot of sense because the British colonized Jamaica and, you know, that's a, it's a British territory and, you know, technically the Queen of England is the Queen of Jamaica. If you didn't know that, that's a little, a little fun fact for you. And then the last 10%, which is something that I wasn't surprised by, but probably could be a surprise to the viewers just looking at me, but 10% Chinese. So my grandmother and my dad's side was actually half Chinese. So that trickled down to me to about an eighth, but how it works is that you have 50% chance of getting each gene from your parents. So there could be variation between you and your siblings. So 
I could, I have the 10% Chinese, but one of my siblings could potentially be a 15, depending on how, you know, things manifested with them. So that's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. It was a fun to find out for myself and to actually know what I am and where I, you know, come from. And it's pretty interesting that like they have this thing that they can trace your recent ancestry. And mine was like 100% Jamaican. No other, no other countries were even like had a sense of it. So I was like, oh wow, this is like pure Jamaican. So at least I know there's no you know mess there. I'm just you know pure Jamaican. But Jamaican's a migrant country. Like the Chinese influence in Jamaica comes from a lot of indentured servants of the Hakka descent, Hakka Chinese who moved who went to China from China to Jamaica for work opportunities and similarly a lot of immigrants from India went to Trinidad and that's why they have their their more you know coolly Indian population because of that similar migration and indentured servitude so honestly migration and immigration brings people everywhere and connects us all who would have thought I'd be 10% Chinese but I I don't know if I'm trying to learn Mandarin That, that language seems really hard and I could barely manage Spanish But that's a good transition to our next segment, Migration Education. This is the part of the show where I provide a quick burst of information related to migration and the country that we're discussing today, Japan. Honestly, Japanese culture is very, very, very popular here in the United States, and I feel like everyone has interacted with some form of Japanese media in their life. I feel like every boy in the United States has watched Naruto or had like a quick rephase with it or any other anime. And if not that, then it was video games and, like, the powerhouse companies like Sony and Nintendo. Like, they're all Japanese companies. So they have the, there's a significant Japanese influence. But today, specifically, I'm going to talk about the migration experience between two countries you may not think that are linked. Japan and Brazil. Touching back to our Brazil episode with Abby Maria, I explained how the slave trade took the longest to end in Brazil, and they still had a massive landmass to take care of, with their ambition of turning their economy into a modern agricultural one. This meant that they needed to find bodies and import workers fast. And they really wanted to create a white and Catholic, you know, brand for the country. And that's what the elites really wanted to drive when they were trying to get to mass immigration. So initially, the first wave came from Germany, which didn't bring enough workers to fill the plantations. That then prompted a second wave, which came from countries like Italy and Portugal. But it still wasn't meeting the needs perfectly due to the tensions between these groups and the local plantation owners. It even escalated where Italian authorities prohibited their citizens from migrating to Brazil. And then the third wave came from Jews and Arabs, who eventually found their way off the plantation and started to own shops in the city. So after all of this and three waves of migration, the workforce still wasn't big enough. But enter Japan. They had a lot of population growth as they moved away from their feudal system, and they needed to relieve some of that pressure. So it's a perfect match, right? Brazil needed more people, Japan needed less people. The Brazilian elite interpreted the Japanese as white enough, and it would help push Japan as a modern and more western country as they started to have more overseas influence. Thus, the migration link between Brazil and Japan was born. In 1908, the first Japanese arrived in Brazil, and it continued to be a worthwhile relationship. Japan's position as a world power meant better conditions for those immigrants and some others because of the the geopolitical leverage that Japan had at the time. So this also created a very precarious situation for those Brazilian Japanese who were born there, you know, sort of lived between two cultures, and a lot of these Japanese communities kept their culture, and sort of tried to keep traditions down, even though they lived abroad, and just due to some circumstances, a lot of these Japanese Brazilians, or Brazilian Japanese, found their way back in Japan, trying to integrate them back, integrate themselves back into that society, but 
you know, they're kind of lost. Like, this is their country and their home, but, you know, they were raised and socialized in a whole other culture. So it's a very interesting dynamic. And I think in our, our interview today covers how interesting Japan can be in general. Just a very diverse culture, not what you may expect based off the interpretation that it has or the public perception that it has in the, here in the States. And that's why I'm very glad that I have these guests. So they run their own podcast and they're actually not American at all. So one is from Canada and the other is from the UK. Something that brings a you know, diverse perspective to the table and a, a diverse view on Japan, but still kind of like a Western view on Japan. So I think we can do a lot of synthesis here, but we had a very interesting conversation. And honestly, they're funny as fuck. And, and also, one of them's Jamaican. So, you know, you get two Jamaicans in a room, you know, you cut it up and you're Jamaican it up. And that actually gets talked about in the podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here with me, I have both David and Jordan. Not only are they the hosts of the Tokyo Fresh podcast and celebrating their one-year anniversary, that's me, JS, to check their Instagram, Tokyo Fresh Podcast, but they also work. David's an English teacher, Jordan's a magazine travel writer. Both dope careers, both sort of tie into their journeys, so welcome aboard, guys. How are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for coming on. It's good to have you. No worries, bro. It's fun. It's good times. So let's start sort of by refreshing where you guys are from and then where you currently live. Who who wants to go first? first? Me? Do you want to go first? David. Okay, I'll go. I'll go first. Okay, so uh, I grew up in a small town outside of Edmonton, Alberta, in Canada for, was that, 20? I lived there until I was 26 and then moved to uh, Tokyo. Young Tokyo, dude. Uh, Kind of similar, but I was in, I'm in London, so I'm... I'm actually a Brit. Sorry, guys, invading the podcast. But um, born and raised in London, studied in Canterbury, then I came to Japan as like a year abroad student type thing. And then I was like, yo, Japan's pretty, it's pretty dope. And then I mm. came back like, what, four years ago, I think? Yeah. I've, yes, this year will be four. This will be four years, yeah. So I've been living in Japan for like four years now. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty fun. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to live here, actually. It's not bad at all. I mean, at times, it can, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Yeah, we'll definitely get there. I, I have I have some questions planned, don't worry. <laughs> but, but but actually, I'm curious. So, like, a Canadian, a Brit, but you're both, you know, running a podcast together in Japan. So, how, how did you guys meet? How did this kind of, how did this kind of happen? Oh, man, dude, this is... Okay, so when yeah. I first um, came to Japan, I wasn't a travel writer. I was working for an English company, same as David, same yeah. company. Yeah. And we were in the same um, training group. And sort of, I came in with, like, sort of like a chip on my shoulder because i was like can you swear on this podcast yeah do it yeah do you okay cool because it's hard to um it's hard to stop i have to filter myself <laughs> so, yeah i filter certain words but i can't other so forgive me i i came in and i was like chip on my shoulder i'd been to japan before i spoke japanese and i was like fuck everyone like don't care about you guys none of you are on my level like I came with that attitude and then I came to training and I was like, hold on a minute. There's some cool people here. <laughs> I met like David, a bunch of other boys. And then we just like sort of became friends from there. Yeah. I was, when I first came, I was super nervous too, because, mm. uh, I didn't know what to expect because if you, if you study Japanese, like in school, cause I know both me and Jordan studied yeah. in school, you, you meet a certain type of person. Yes. And I was mm. hoping, I'm like, oh, please, please, God, do not move to Japan and just be surrounded by these types of people because yeah. I will 
I will be the next guy jumping in front of the Chuo line. This is why I was like, when I came in, I, we started like, we met at the uh, at the training session. Yeah. This is why I was like, man, fuck everyone. Because the first few people I met were all that type of sort of, mm-hmm. isn't Japan the greatest place on earth type human? And I'm like, have you been here before? And they're like, no. I'm like, have you lived here before? No. Have you traveled here before? No. Do you speak Japanese? No. Uh, my man, what are you basing this on? I don't... Right. What? What? What is... Uh, dumb. But yeah, so that's where we actually met. And then the podcast thing was basically... It was David's idea, actually, mm. to uh, start a podcast. So, do you want to... That's pretty good. Yeah. So definitely, you know, interesting to get the vibe. I definitely want to talk about with that kind of person. I feel like people who fetishize certain countries, but I feel like Japan mm. in particular mm-hmm. is one that's very common. I feel like people, especially people from the United States, I feel like it's oh. very... Very cult following here. So off of that, so I know London is very global, international. I'm from New York City, so I'm assuming they're similar similar vibes. But like, what what's Edmonton like? Or like, I guess the town outside of it is it you know diverse or not not quite? It's like a farm town. <laughs> so where where I grew up is like about mm, it's about half an hour drive outside of Edmonton. So I say I'm from Edmonton because if I tell people where I'm from, actually they go. What's that? Where's this? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm like, what yeah, that? okay. It, I'm from this place. No, Edmonton is is um, it's just a very wide city. Wide. Wide. Yeah. So, cause Canada has lots of space, right? Mm. So instead of like New York or London or Tokyo, instead of building up, they just build out. So the size of Edmonton, like comparatively, Edmonton is as big as Tokyo landmass size, mm. but like has absolutely not even close to the amount of people i think there's like maybe five million in the city compared to tokyo was 50 55 million something like that god dang so you drive everywhere it's cold yeah that that's my image of canada yeah it's cold you have to drive something about hockey (laughs) that's that's, that's funny (laughs) and poutine i think people mentioned yeah yo don't i i have a deep love for poutine it's so good it is. It's so, so good. good. It's fried food and cheese and gravy. It's the greatest combination. Well done. Canada, well done. You've done good. <laughs> One of the greatest exports, I must say. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but, but, but off of that, can, can you get poutine anywhere in Japan or, or not really? Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no, no. dude. Nope. No. <laughs> no. You can probably get something similar to poutine, and it will look like poutine. It might smell like poutine, but it will not taste like poutine. And I'd be like... What they would do, they would put, like, beef stew oh, on, fuck off. on yeah. on fries, and that yeah, would yeah, be yeah, what yeah. you eat, and it's not quite the same. Japan has, um, Japan has a bastardized version of your favorite food. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. You can go to a restaurant, like, oh, yesterday, I was in a restaurant, and I wanted um, carbonara. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing. It's, it, it's delicious. So I'm sitting down, and I'm like, sir, I'll have the carbonara. He's like, excellent choice, sir. I will bring you the carbonara, and it comes out, and it has, like, onions in it, like, big old chunks of onions. I'm looking at this man like, sir, carbonara does not have big old chunks of onions. This is not a carbonara, but it's, like, a Japanese version of a carbonara. Like, every restaurant you go to will have a Japanese version. Like, like Japanese pizza's trash. It's, there's, like, potato on it. Mm. It... It's like I felt the same way about pizza in Latin America. It was just, it was not the same. I, I'm from New York, so I have a high standard for pizza, but they have like olives and all this other mess on it. Mm-hmm. I've I've never been to New York, but I heard like there's a massive culture around like the pizza there. Like 
Yeah, it's just like, like everywhere in America has like that certain pizza must be this way. Like if you're in Chicago versus New York versus I guess somewhere else. California. California. There must be some yeah. sort of weird pizza in California as well. Yeah, and I think Detroit's trying to make their own style of pizza too, or they they might have recently. Uh, who knows? Detroit. But I mean, New York. New York's the best. That's all you need to know. Bro, can't, <laughs> can't have shit in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Sort of, sort of circling back to your initial journey to Japan, sort of back to this teaching experience, teaching college, sort of what drew you to that? Was it just majoring in Japanese, studying Japanese, and sort of wanting a way into Japan? Was it sort of a passion to teach? Sort of what drew you to that experience? Um, for me, uh, I had actually gone to university for uh, a teaching degree. So uh, to, to come to Japan uh, to be an English teacher... You you don't even need a, a degree in teaching. You just need a degree. a degree. So they'll take they'll take whoever has a degree. But I think the difference was is that I actually went to school to be a teacher. So I think a lot of when I got into schools, a lot of my teachers were kind of surprised. They were like, you know, you, you actually know what you're doing. You plan lessons well. <laughs> a competent human? Yeah, kind of. Where, where other teachers are just like, I don't know what's going on. I took physical education in university. Yeah, it's pretty like, much. Mm, okay, I played, yeah, like, or I took music. Music was my major, and it's like, okay, well. For me, for me, it was like, I did politics, but I did a teaching course while I was doing politics. Like, one of my, one of my modules was in teaching. Mm. So I used to teach... Um, I taught pronounce English pronunciation to Japanese students in university as for like a extra curriculum type thing, and I was like, "Yo, this is fun! I'm gonna get into this." So I came to Japan for a little bit of teaching for a bit, but I really liked it. So I did it for longer than I thought I was going to do it for. I mean, it was fun, but um, very much when you go into the schools, it's like, "Wow, a competent human is at the desk." Because a lot of English teachers who precede you are aren't that good. There's, there's not really a way to say it, like, a lot of people who take that role, that's, that's, this is going back to, like, that, that sort of type of person who comes to Japan. Like, they have this idealized version of Japan, then when they come here for teaching, for work, they've never, a, a lot of them have never actually worked before. So, that's true, a lot of people are fresh out of university. Fresh graduates, and, yeah. And haven't worked, like, this kind of job, yeah. and just go, what, do, what I do? do I do? Yeah, they've never had someone just go... Here, here's a class of 30 kids. <laughs> Go. <laughs> who don't understand you. Don't understand you. Who don't care that you're there. Do not And who care. do not care about English. No. You, you'll hear, like, a lot of, like, Hey, okay, I Like, I hate English. Yeah, yeah from that the kids. <laughs> Damn. So you gotta, like, you gotta somehow break through that. Um, I guess David's way of breaking through was probably just being, like, a good teacher. Mm. Just a competent teacher. Well, I think the difference is that you and me also came in knowing Japanese, right? Oh God, that so helps. holy shit! Yeah, I, I I can I can talk to the the kids or like explain concepts to them yeah. if they don't understand. Where other teachers would just go, mm, go ask your Japanese teacher. Yeah, I think my one was um. So I was doing like elementary school for a long time, and elementary school teachers famously do not speak English. Like they just yeah, they just don't. So the first meeting we had this man sat down with like this paper of like English phrases and he goes to me, uh, jo- Jordan, uh, 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 t- today, uh, uh, cl- um, the, the class. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, just speak Japanese. And he's like, Oh, holy shit. This man speaks the language. Let's go. We became boys. That was it. <laughs> we became 
became like really good boys. So I guess when it came time to settle in Japan permanently, and when it came time to like, sort of pick a city where you were dwelling, why were you drawn to Tokyo specifically? It's like obviously it's the capital, and assuming a lot of opportunities are centered there. And but did you have like a network there? Like, did you even start there? Did you get there over time? Uh, for me, I, I actually didn't live in Tokyo. I don't. I don't live in Tokyo now either. Um, but uh, I didn't live in Tokyo. I lived in Kawasaki, which is the city to the south. Like it's it's literally like Tokyo is. It's so weird to describe like the Tokyo area to people because yes. if you said I lived in Kawasaki and someone looked it up on a map, they'd be mm. like, "So you live in Tokyo." You're it's like, it's weird because like Tokyo as a city mm. and Kawasaki as a city and Yokohama as a city yeah. are just all like seamlessly connected. Yes. So where you change cities is kind of like arbitrary. Mm. It's pretty weird. But you initially did you plan to come to Tokyo? No, I I think actually at the time I was dating my my girlfriend who mm. lived in Shizuoka, which Ooh. is further away and i had put in shizuoka first no way and then ended up in yokohama oh god this is a little bit far away but you know i used to study in tokyo so when i did an international study abroad type thing i was in tokyo so a lot of my my friends live like around here a lot of my um the people i know live around here I have a lot of like network in tokyo so i was like i kind of want to go back to that network it's a good network to be in but if not i wanted to be in kobe because Kobe kind of rocks, but the area they gave me in Kobe, if I was to choose Kobe, was like um, it like super countryside. Oh, you were in like the mountains Yo, somewhere. The two trains an hour type countryside. Oh God, <laughs> horrid, 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 horrid. It was like as so I was looking online, I was asking my friends, my people in Kobe. I was like, "Yo, Kobe friends." Um, got this place I could go to in Kobe, it's whatever town. My friend just goes, do not live there. And I'm like, what? Why? And they're like, she's like, no buses, two trains an hour, you will live in an old-ass house, there will be bugs. I'm like, well, Tokyo it is! Let's go, Tokyo! (laughs) No way. Seems like an easy decision. Dude, so straightforward. The second it was explained to me, the bugs really sold it for me. You know? Because Japan has some... Yeah, there's some nasty bugs here. Yeah. Some big old spiders. They, they have the kind of bugs that, like, if you came home one day and there was a certain type of bug in your house, your house is now the bug's house. You have to move. All your stuff now belongs to the insects. Yeah. You have to move. Like, the big, um, the mountain spiders that eat cockroaches, the massive ones. Yep. There's those. Mm, there's, no. uh, Mukale. Oh, there's more? Which is is like giant venomous centipedes oh, stop it. and they're they're creepy too because they hunt in in pairs they hunt in fucking so if pairs. you see one you know there's another one in your house somewhere oh dude stop it like th- this conversation alone is giving me goosebumps oh no literally the worst i got like my skin crawling no wait it's the worst one I'm, oh man my skin's crawling i've not begun to explain it yet it's um it's a big spider i forget what it's called but so if you have cockroaches in your house, mm-hmm. this spider will come into your house. But this spider is massive. It's like the side of a dinner plate. This thing doesn't eat cockroaches. It likes to play with them. So it'll run around your house, bucking with the cockroaches. And it won't leave your house until all the cockroaches are gone. It's horrible. It's massive. And you can hear it like running around. Yeah. Oh, oh stop. <laughs> no more. <laughs> it's a thing of nightmares, dude. Holy shit. Oh. Okay, no more. My skin's crawling a lot. <laughs> it's disgusting. 
uh, I feel like that region of the world just has so many creatures. Like, I hear about Australia, Japan, like, South Pacific Islands, like, all the things going on down there. I don't even know if I want to visit. <laughs> you have to go pretty deep into the countryside to, to find sort of the worst offenders. Yeah, usually in the city it's okay because everything's been paved over. Thank God. Industrialization, bonsai, yeah. you know. But I feel like... <laughs> Hats is perks. It does, indeed. It's This is the reason I chose Tokyo. It's, it's, it's good, it's open, it's easy to get around. There are, like, tons of opportunities in Tokyo as well. Yeah, everyone works here. There's a reason why in the countryside people are selling you, a, like, they're paying you to take a house. Yeah, yeah. Because no one wants to live in the countryside. Yeah. There's, like, a bunch of schemes happening now where people are, like, come to, like, farms and such, indeed. Mm-hmm. Like, come to this farm, build this farm up, grow some stuff. And the government will give you money, like, every year, every month type thing, for you to move to the countryside and start a farm. Because, like, we need more farmers. Yeah, it's crazy. Sheesh. So, going off of that, when it comes to life in Japan, is, is it hard getting set up? Because I know every country, you know, has a different level of bureaucracy. So, like, maybe getting an apartment is difficult. Like, getting your paperwork in order is difficult. Can you, like, walk us through that? <laughs> I like how I like how the second both of us heard the word bureaucracy, bureaucracy. we went. Ah. Mm. Japan is um, famous for its bureaucracy. Uh, Too much, in fact. I'll put it this way: you want to move. You've moved to Tokyo. You've lived here for a year. You want to move house to a new area. Ho ho! Begin your challenge. Bef- well, okay, let's skip everything. You've got the house. All you're doing is moving. Okay. You need to go to your ward office and deregister from the from your old office. Then you need to go to your new office and register there. Now, very important, you cannot do one without the other. If you forget to deregister and you go to the new ward office, because you've already moved house. Yeah. No. Guess what? Now you pay double the tax. Now you pay double the tax. You cannot fuck it up. It yep. is Japan is and there's no internal systems that connect a lot of these ward offices. It's all, like, paper trails and envelopes and fax machines. And, like, for such a, like... For a country that has such, like, a sort of technological advanced image... Yeah. It's very... It's like the Stone Age. Ho- yeah. They still fax shit. I've... Yeah. I never in my life used a fax machine until I moved to this country. <laughs> and I was like... This is 20, I think at the time, this was like 2017, Mm -hmm. 2018. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you're still using a, we have, we've had email for like almost two decades. What are you doing? (laughs) I remember the first time I was like standing over a fax machine, paper in hand, and I'm just staring at it. I'm like, what do I, like, what do I do? What do I do here? Um, the the teacher comes over and the teacher's like, oh, Jordan do you not understand the Japanese? And I'm like, no, darling, I don't understand the fax machine. How does this even... What do I do with this paper? Like, I'm, I'm like, accidentally printing shit. I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> Why isn't it sitting? And then they make, like, a loud screeching noise. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's yep. horrible. It's not, it's not even, like, only that, too, right? Because, like, every, everything you do here has to be recorded on paper. Yes. So every year... You you got lucky because you got a three year visa. Hey. I I got a one year visa. So every one. year I have to go to the immigration, immigration. office. Yeah. I have to renew my visa. It takes. It. I went to the Shinagawa one, the which is like the the main Tokyo immigration office because last year I lived in Tokyo. Don't do it. And I got there at eight a.m. 
Mm-hmm. The second the doors open, mm-hmm. I did not leave that immigration office until 5 p.m. Yes. It's pretty not. And that's just waiting, signing forms, yep. waiting for faxes. Yep. And the worst the worst part is, right, is that I wouldn't care so much if, if I had to wait if I was doing something. Mm. But the problem is I hand the person my paper. Yep. They go... Hmm, 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 hmm. Hi. Okay. It looks fine. Yep. And they go stamp, stamp, stamp. And they go bye. See you. Yep. It literally takes them ten seconds. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I have to wait in a chair for five hours. It's really strange. To. And they built it in the worst place. They, they built did. it off in a man-made island in the middle of nowhere. Classic. So there's Why? nothing around. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. This is. I feel like when you initially come to Japan as well, there is um. Depending what company you come here with. There mm-hmm. is a lot of hand-holding in your setup. So you don't really think about it half the time. So when we came with, like, our companies, we, we were working with uh, Interact. It's, I can just say it's fine, it's whatever. Um, there's a lot of hand-holding. So they go, you know, come together with me. I'll bring you to the center. I'll take you over here. And they, they help you set up your uh, everything, basically. Yeah. From your, from your bloody tax to your address to whatever. So a lot of that's done for you, which is good to some extent. Yeah. But if you came by yourself independently and you're like, I'm here, I have no one to help me, I'm going to go to the, uh, buddy, what's the word, what's the shakso? Um, the, like, what, the ward office. The ward office, I yeah. I remember the English. I got, <laughs> you got to go to the ward office and you got to like set up all your stuff. It's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you speak Japanese going there, this is Japanese you, you just don't come you across. Never, you never use other than at the tax office. Yeah. Or other than at like the ward office or something. So yeah. they'll be saying things to me, and I'm like, I've heard this word before, but it must be like a year since I've heard it since. <laughs> yes, since I've uttered this word, it's, yeah. been, a, it's been 365 days to the dot. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's pretty difficult getting set up initially, but I feel like if you get a good company, and you really want to come to Japan, you're like, how do I get in there as easy and quickly as possible? Honestly, find an English teaching company, and just slide in for a year, do, do a solid year of like easy English teaching, and then jump out and you know do look whatever. for something. Yeah, better. look for something. Yeah, something else you want to do, basically. If if you if you're not here for teaching, that is, save money. Very important. It seems very bureaucratic, but easy to get into. So I can't imagine like since they're cycling through teachers so fast that they're paying the best. Oh, the pay is garbage. Hot trash. The what they were they were like, they outright lie to you, which is very interesting. Mm. Like um, if you look on the the adverts when you're uh, for those who are interested in Japan if you if you've typed in Japan into your Google browser you're going to get adverts for like English teaching in Japan and a lot of them will say stuff like come to Japan we will pay you $3000 a month to teach English and I'm like that no they do they do an even more trickier thing they say, they say we'll pay you 2.4 million yen yeah. because you don't know how much yen is right yes so you're like bastard. a million yen oh million? my god fuck Let's go! And then you're like, oh, hold on. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's only about $1,600 a month. This is nothing. I'm going to die. Like, it's... They really do underpay teachers quite a lot. Like, um, there's like... Did he still do the thing where, like, for half the... Half the, like, three, four months, you, like, get half pay and such? Uh, The company I work for has changed that. Oh, good stuff. Good people. So they have, like, half pay months. They have, like, weird things of tax they don't tell you about. Like, your second year you've been working here... um. Yeah, your residence tax. So you have to pay a residence tax in Japan. Yeah. 
So the second year that you're, the first year you're here, you pay nothing. Nothing. But the second year you're here, you pay a lot. Oh, baby. It hits hard. So I think that's why a lot of people do circle in now of Japan. Like, I feel like it's the, the bad pay for teaching. And then the other half of it is that people, that, people come here very, as we said, very ideal, idealized version of Japan. Japan is X, Y, and Z, and they come here. Japan is anime, sushi, and, I don't know, ramen. I don't care. That's what they think it is. They come here, think it's going to be a beautiful country full of, like, liberal-minded, fun people. They're going to come for you and hang out and blah, blah, blah. But in actual fact, it's a pretty conservative country. It's full of very old, uh, um, aging population. If, you're, if your hair is a bit different, they're going to look at you. If you're, uh, if you're not Japanese, per se, they're going to stare at you. You know? Yep. It's pretty... Yeah. So a lot of people can't really handle that. They don't like it. And they will eventually leave after that. You know, so... Yeah, I feel like the very monolith countries are hard to be, you know, a standout. And, but yeah, going off of that, you said if the hair is different. Jordan, I did want to ask. Your IG handle is, you know, Afro in Japan. You have a pretty prominent Afro. I have a lot of hair in my head, too. So, you know, I'm in, I'm in the gang, too. But that's actually one of my biggest fears about moving abroad one day. It's like... Like, where am I going to get my hair cut? Like, so how do you go about getting the maintenance as you're sort of navigating life with the afro? Like, did you get it because of Japan, or was it like your brand beforehand? Like, It was my... Because I grew the afro when I was a lot younger. But I think before I went to university, I just started growing my hair. And then the afro came. And then, like, the interest in Japan started. And I was like, oh, I should have a... I should make an Instagram to, like, document my time in Japan. And I was like, what, what would the Instagram handle be? And my friend was like, dude, afro in Japan. I was like, of course it just makes sense so that became the handle that became the brand so um when it comes to, like getting my hair cut i don't really cut my hair that's the thing when i go back to the uk uh like once a year or so i'll get it like sort of the ends trimmed and such but to this day i don't trust japanese barbers to cut my hair like they don't know what to do with it there's one woman i trust she lives in like chiba like Oh, that's like two hours away from where you live. Two hours away from where I live. And this woman knows what she's doing. She's like um, an award-winning braidist. She braids hair for like competitions and such. Mm. She does like model work for like um, kids who are like half Japanese and half like a a country of like my type of hair. So she's really good at what she does. So I go to her. But now anyone else I can't. Like I went to one place to get my hair braided. The woman said, oh... In order to braid your hair, we'll have to straighten it first. And I'm um, like, no, you can just braid it. She's like, no, no, we'd have to straighten it. And I'm like, bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, no, no, you will not be, no, you will not be straightening my hair. You're in, dude, get out of here, dude. Honestly, so um, there's a lot of that. When it comes to like buying hair products, iHerb, iHerb is like a saving grace. Without it, I'd be lost in this country. Because you, you can't buy black hair products anywhere in Japan. No, there's like nothing. There's nothing, dude. I can't buy shampoo for my hair. Even even I have problems with shampoo here. <laughs> and I'm, I'm white as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know what, what the, like, Japanese hair, like, com- people have, like, said that, like, my hair, Japanese people have said that my hair is, like, uh, like a dog's. It's like very thin, but there's the a fuck? lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I don't know. I, I don't know what what the deal is, right? But they the the shampoo here is so strong. Yeah, it just kills my scalp. Yeah, it's not good. And I wonder if that's just because like I've seen like the comparison between like 
piece of my hair mm. and a Japanese person's hair, yeah. it's so much thicker. Like, yeah. the size of the actual hair is considerably thicker, so I wonder if that's why they have such strong hair products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one time I used Japanese hair products in my hair, like, it... Mm-mm. It dried my hair out to such an extent. I was like, this will never touch my head ever again. I gave it to my neighbor. I was like, take this. <laughs> do you want this? No, it, was, it wasn't even do you want. It was take this. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. <laughs> he's goodbye. Like, he's like, eh, nani, goodbye. He's <laughs> leaving. <laughs> right, so for the both of you, just initially getting there, I guess for the first time teaching, how tough was it working through the culture shock sort of? I know you talk about people having a lot of expectations for Japan, but like, what were your expectations for Japan, and how were they met? How weren't they met? And how difficult was like that first year or two? Mm. Mm. This is a hard question That's to answer hard one, yeah. for so for me. Um, for me, I think like Japan kind of is exactly what I envisioned it, but that's only because um, two of my older cousins had also been teachers in Japan. Mm. So hearing it firsthand from them, what it's like to be here, what it's like to work here, what it's like to, you know, kind of live and do stuff. I had been to Japan before and like went to one of their houses. So, like I knew what kind of a situation that they were living in. Yeah. So when I came here and, you know, I, I got the, the same kind of apartment and it, it was all very like, okay, yeah, this is what I expected. Yeah. But I imagine that a lot of people come over here and think like they're gonna live in the same size apartment that they live in in Canada or UK or mm-hmm. America. They get get here and you live in a twenty meter square box yeah. where your kitchen's in your bedroom, and <laughs> yes. you're like, "Well, this sucks." It's like, N- no, it's, you know, it's what I expected was gonna happen. So for me, I was kind of I. I I didn't go through a culture shock, mm. and I hate to I hate to to say that because people are gonna be like, "Oh, look at this guy. He, oh, he's he's too good for." I got yeah, I got you. So, kind of similarly, like when I came to Japan as an international student, I didn't have culture shock per se. So this is a kind of weird one. It's like in the UK, they're very um, like the the racism and the the prejudice in the UK is very like weaved into society. So I I always say that. America wears its racism on its sleeve. The UK wears it as an undershirt. You don't really know it's there until like you're really in society. Then you're like, oh shit, this shit's kind of racist. Like, fuck. Like, it takes a while. But being born and raised there, you're like, ah, I know what this means. Like, you know? So coming to Japan, I was like, oh shit, like, this is way different. Like, yeah, sure, the racism is there, the prejudice is there, but this is way easier to navigate. This is fucking straightforward. Like, for example, the one, um, the one uh, example I always use is that, so I'll be in the UK when I was at, when I was at university, at an afro, pretty big, you know, it's, a, it's, it's something people want to touch, you know? But instead of going like, excuse me, sir, may I uh, perhaps fondle your hair? It's just like, hey, and they grab your hair. And that is... To my soul, it enrages me. I'm like, how dare you? Hair products are so expensive, and now it's on your hand. Fuck you. Like, hate it. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's horrible. And coming to Japan, um, we're doing... The, it's my first week here. We're doing the... Um, the What do you call it? Introduction week type thing. Mm-hmm. Talking to some students, talking to some teachers, and a woman comes to me. The woman says to me, your hair, it's so... Uh, it's so different. It's so interesting. 
I'm like, oh, well, why, why, thank you. And in my head, I'm like, oh, this woman is going to ask me to touch my hair. No, no. She goes, this may be impolite, so I don't know. But can I ask you if I can ask you to touch your hair? I was like, wait, what? What? She was like, can I ask you if I can ask you to touch your hair? I was like, <laughs> Japan? Ooh, <laughs> come That's on, so, like, Japan. backwards polite. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it was weird. I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. She was like, may I touch your hair? And I was like, oh my god, she actually fucking asked me. Dude, for me, that was it. I, I was kind of sold on Japan. So I didn't really get culture shock per se. But what really smacked me was the reverse culture shock. Oh, going back home? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, going, that, was, that was weird. Right? Going back to the UK, I was like, holy shit. I used to live like this. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Yeah, the UK it's so grey the UK is so depressing the the underground so tiny like ugh. I remember being back in the UK and just being like ugh I have to live here for how long again this is <sighs> fuck <laughs> like, yeah. it, was, it was it was two years ago I went home for Christmas mm. and I met my parents in the airport mm. and my dad's like oh I parked the the truck in the the like part the outside parking garage yeah right and it's like open air yeah. this is the middle of december it's oh. maybe like december 23rd no no i the doors to that airport open <laughs> and i just go nope i want to go home <laughs> i'm like i'm good it was like a nice balmy 10 degrees celsius in tokyo you were like minus 35 outside you're like pilot bring the plane around <laughs> are we going back to tokyo now <laughs> drive it right into the bus lane i'll get on right there holy shit oh that sucks but uh culture culture stock will it hits in really weird ways Mm -hmm. like i know one of my friends got hit with it really badly like he just had like a a mini crisis in his bathroom remember that (laughs) were were you there for that you were right yes i was it was it was kind of funny i I feel bad for laughing at it because he legitimately broke down legitimately he he actually had like a little breakdown like we were drinking hanging out the alcohol definitely played a part Oh, yeah. And my man, like, fully broke down and, like, was having these weird... Like, he was like, I don't know what to do. It was, like, a very weird sort of culture shock, panic attack type breakdown of just everything hitting him at once. Because it must have been, like, he's in Japan, he's moving around, nothing was, like, nothing had calmed down yet. Mm. He hadn't had a second to really arrange his feelings, you know, to sort of put his thoughts in order. And then suddenly, it must have all just clicked at once, and he just... He just shut down. Like, I, I feel like when you first come to Japan, like, if you're going to live here for a while, roam around, explore the country, experience it, you know, but you're going to be moving fast. Everything's going to be hitting you at once. You're not really going to take the time to go, shit, I'm in Tokyo. Holy shit, I'm in Japan. So, like, when if you do come here, take a second, sit down, and just be like, I'm in Tokyo, you know? I'm in Japan. I've done it. Take a second to rearrange your feelings. You, you never know when it's going to hit you, you know? Even today, I have that. Like... I'll be on the train. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, shit, I live in Japan." It's fucking yeah, yeah, I have that too. I remember. I remember specifically one day I came out of my apartment and I was walking down the street and there's one of those like big vertical signs uh, for I don't know. It was like for like the supermarket or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just remember looking at it and going, "That's Japanese. <laughs> Where am I?" <laughs> like, Hold on. Wait. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second! That's not English! Dude, that's so funny! 
Man, those moments here, it's weird. That's me, like, sometimes I feel like in, like, 7-Eleven buying, like, onigiri, and I'm like, that's right, I can just do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's rocks. You know, it seems like you guys really le- levied your expectations and, like, the knowledge of Japanese definitely feel like it made your transition a little easier. So, like, that's good. But going off of that, like, we're... You know, currently living in this global pandemic, so I kind of, want, kind of wanted to get some insight to, you know, how Japan handled COVID, how the community reacted to it, or what's going on now. Are you guys in lockdown? Are you want to talk about lockdown? this week? <laughs> but, yeah, well, what's the week? The week is it like a daily update. Do things change hourly. Um, <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's do a general overview. Okay, generally, um, man. So Japan is already a mask culture. People wear masks anyway. They wear them on the mm-hmm. train because the train's dirty. They wear them when they're sick or just to prevent themselves getting sick. So because everyone wears masks so sort of openly, there was no weird culture against it, per se. Yeah, no one was like, I'm I'm too macho to wear a mask. I'm Masks not- are for wusses. Like, my, my body can defeat any virus. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was kind of a normal thing. So when, we, when Corona sort of first hit, uh, it wasn't... It didn't boom, like, instantly. It wasn't like, holy shit, there are tens of thousands of cases, we're all fucked. Because people were sort of keeping that sort of social Uh distance anyway. People were kind of wearing the masks anyway. But then, you know, as time sort of went on, cases sort of exploded. People just got... People just decided, I'm tired of... I'm tired of coronavirus, so I just don't care. Yeah. And that's that's the worst part. Yeah. That people just stopped caring. The the Japanese government and all their... um, no, their glory decided that the the fo- they, they they needed someone to blame, you know. Yeah, this happened this week. The the Japanese government always needs like they need a scapegoat because je- the sort of the old prime minister Abe and sort of his cabinet they're not good at uh, anything. Anything, pretty much. Yeah, but they're very bad at crisis management. Like they're bad at thinking ahead. They're bad at actually doing anything. It, it's a it's a country tied up in bureaucracy and like talking a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of talk, very little action. So when they eventually did stop fucking around with the Olympics and start focusing on the global pandemic, it was already kind of too late. Yeah. It already sort of spread pretty far in Japan. And people had already taken that into their own hands. By the yes. time by the time Abe said, oh, we're going to... I can't believe he did this. By the time he decided, oh, we're going to make two masks for everyone Holy in shit. Japan and send them out in the mail. Waste like, by the time he made that announcement to the time I got my mask, mm. it had been like three months. Yeah. Three months. I could have been dead in the first week. Yeah, literally. And, yeah, it's... The entire thing was really badly handled by the Japanese government. I feel like a lot of the Japanese citizens sort of took it into their own hands to keep themselves safe. Yeah. So my company, for example... um, So, this is really strange, because a lot of foreigners were taking it more seriously than the Japanese people. Right, yes. Because I feel like we had more information, because, you know, English... A lot of Japanese people don't speak English, so they can't really openly read all the English information that's flowing around. Whereas in my company, we just, we got the English sort of team. All right, because everywhere everywhere is broadcasting in the native language and English. And English. So we can take any all information, information kind of from everywhere in yeah. English, right? Yeah. There was very much a thing of like the Japanese media, so not, not down, I don't want to say downplaying, but they weren't really... Oh, they were they were one hundred percent, one hundred percent cooking the books on those things. Cooking them books, bro. Let me tell you, it's like, like two weeks in. They're like, oh, there's five people infected. I'm like, what? Five? Five? What the fuck? 
uh, yeah, there's, there's no way there's five people infected. Yeah. Do you know how many Chinese people come to this country on, like, tourist, like, things? Things, yeah. And then you didn't lock down the country for, like, two weeks after... Like, how many people could have come in and out of Wuhan in two weeks? Like, who knows, right? Same. And you're just like, ah, there was five people. Maybe six. Yeah, on a bad day. On a bad... Maybe, maybe. It was pretty bad. But like, the Japanese government loves scapegoats. For a long time, they were like, uh, it's the inbound foreigners, so, like, they can't come back. And then they were like, no, actually, it's um, it's host clubs and uh, girls' bars and the, the sort of night workers. Right, yeah. Started blaming them for a while. Like, the Japanese government love a scapegoat. And then recently, this week... Oh, hilarious. There was a massive, like, two-hour press conference type thing where they were talking about corona and such. And in the, a weird five-minute segment, they were discussing how um, a lot of these cases might have been uh, sort of made worse because of, like... It, their words, foreigners not understanding Japanese culture. And it was like... How does how does me not knowing how to hold chopsticks gonna get me corona? Right, yeah, exactly. Like, is corona looking out for that? Corona's like, hold on. Is that motherfucker holding his soup wrong? Get him. Kill him. Get him. Get that corona. Like like the coronavirus is it's, walking around taking I, taking his shoes off as he enters his house. It's it's shit. absolutely like it's absolutely ridiculous because of just the sheer difference in population size. Yeah. So in Japan the population size in the entire country of foreigners from every single country, not just from, like, America, from everywhere, everywhere yeah. is, like, 3 million. <laughs> Compared to Tokyo, just Tokyo, just Tokyo, is 55 million. So dumb. So, for you to be like, oh, it's foreigners who are spreading coronavirus, it's like... Madness. What? Like, how? Yeah. How? How is that even possible? The country is 99% homogeneous yeah there's no possible way that that's the case idiots but i heard like new york didn't really handle it well either right yes i i live in boston now but like a lot of people i follow and keep up with in new york yeah but yeah they were like the epicenter at the beginning of it and in general in the u.s people weren't taking it serious until things really locked down and even now it's like varies state by state region by region so it's we'll see where things go is that not terrifying? Like, fuck. Yeah, I had heard that it was like 150,000 cases a day. Holy shit. Yeah, you know, it's very terrifying. So I live in Massachusetts, which has been, like, heralded as one of the best. And, like, everyone I see outside is wearing their masks for the most part. Like, I would say 95%. But I know friends who have come back from work and had to go back to the office and such who, you know, have come from states where they say, like, it's for 40%, 30% people weren't really giving a fuck about masks. So it's interesting it to see. Like- but- people are tired or what yeah i think it's the same sentiment people are like over it i know i i've seen instagram stories of people in clubs a lot of people are just going to cancun and tulum and i don't even know how that border is open but it is <laughs> so yeah it's just it's crazy yeah, man you can't you can't get in and out of japan it is locked down yeah you know, you, no, people are on vacation from this <laughs> no way america people, no, people are up in tulum people are there people are out People are out. <laughs> Pandemic wear. Base meat. <laughs> America's different it's quite level. a country. <laughs> Holy shit. The UK is very similar, though. The UK has handled corona pretty badly, too. Like, I can't go back home for Christmas. Oh, the UK is in another lockdown now. 
Like, I heard, I heard they made like half off restaurants, and then I heard that was the biggest driver of a new case. They did something like that. <laughs> I mean, that's the exact same thing that happened here. Yes, they. Oh. Pandemic starts, and they go, hmm, what should we do? Uh, send you two really shitty masks, yeah. and then start a campaign literally called Go To Travel, where yes. you travel all over Japan for really cheap, because yeah. that won't backfire and spread the virus literally everywhere. It's brilliant. There was like, so before the, what do you call it, the, the increase in cases that's happened like last week, Yeah, there's been a massive like Go To Travel campaign. So it's like, the government is going to subsidize travel, hotels, food, everything. Everything. So you can fucking shinkansen. They're like, bro, go and guys, go and travel. Go and have the time of your life. Go and explore Japan. Stimulate that local economy, my boys. But then, of course, corona cases start spiking. And they're all like, ugh, foreigners. Must be those gaijin. Must be the dang foreigners fucking holding their chopsticks wrong and shit. Bastards. Like, it's... It, the, the, the disconnect... Yeah. Insane. Well, like I saw a video yesterday of the 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 like pre- premier or like the head of like Kanagawa Kanagawa yeah. Prefecture. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, here's how you should eat with a mask on, and he he has he's like, you should hold your chopsticks in your right hand, and then when you go to eat, pull your mask off, put the food in your mouth, then put your mask on, and people are like, no, why would you keep touching your face like five hundred times during a meet? Like that's just bad hygiene that doesn't make any sense yeah this man is an idiot old people in government gotta go (laughs) yeah (laughs) everywhere i i used to say we need a new plague but now i I gotta get a new saying that That won't age well that won't age well we need to get second plague (laughs) we need a different new plague one that's a bit easier to deal with yeah because this new new plague is scary i don't like it No, everything's <laughs> so speaking of things this play canceled sort of circling back to the olympics i know that was supposed to happen this summer it's Lol. postponed but what, what was the vibe like leading up to it where like because i know in brazil there were like reports of water getting shut off or like a lot of eminent domain going on so was it similar or was it you know more relaxed like leading up so this is why this is why I think that they were cooking the books on the the corona numbers initially. Yeah. They they were like saying like, "Oh, there's five people infected. There's six people infected. It's fine." Cuz at that time, the Olympics were still, still on. happening, yeah. Mm. And then and then when the Olympic committee officially said like, "No, no. we're n- we cannot." That's when the case That's was. when the case is all of a sudden it's like the ne- I think it was the ne- after it was that is the, the next, next day. day. Yeah. The next day it was like, "Now there's 105. Now there's 250. Yes! Now there's 360." Like it's just like bang 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 like immediately after mm. that. It was like a really it was it it, it, it was too lined up to be a coincidence. Yeah. It was mm. literally the next day. Absolute insanity. But like I'm a man who famously hates the Olympics. I think it's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. just stop it. Like, no one cares about sports. Stop it. Like, I, I don't like it. So when the Tokyo Olympics were cancelled, I was like, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. No Olympics? Let's go. I honestly, I was absolutely dreading the Olympics. Every year that it inched closer, I was dreading it because of the amount of, of foreigners that were going to come yeah. to the country. And it was just going to be an absolute shit show. Because yeah. Japan is small, right? Yeah. And the second that you just suddenly introduce 500,000 more foreigners who don't read Japanese, who don't know how to use the train, yeah. who are loud as hell, yeah. it's, just, it's, an, it's an annoyance for people who live here. Mm. And I can imagine it's double an annoyance for Japanese people. Oh, yeah. They're like, fucking... Remember, remember the World Cup? 
Oh yeah, the World Cup was, and people freaked out and went to like Shibuya Square and were flipping out when the fucking Irish team won or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, was yeah. Shit show. The Rugby World Cup we had here as well was like a. They said it was like a soft test. The Olympics was the things they were saying. They were like, well, the Rugby World Cup's going to be a soft test, and we can see how well Japan's in, uh, infrastructure can hold up to all these foreigners. Turns out, not well. Oh, they failed the test. Dude, they failed it really badly. It was an absolute shit show. But I have to imagine the government's, like, just killing themselves because of how much money they spent on the Olympics and then they're not going on. Dude, yes. So much money. This is why I've said the Olympics is a waste of money. Because you're spending all this money building all this new infrastructure, stadiums and shit, but then when it comes down to it, you're never going to make that money back. You just nope. it, it, the, it, it doesn't the math doesn't work like you're not gonna spend them you're not gonna gain the money back like it will take every person coming in here for the Olympics to put so much money into the economy it, it doesn't make sense like it's stupid don't have the Olympics stop it I think the Olympics are just like a display of nationalism I think it's just bragging rights to host and you have everyone tuning in you have this grand cultural show it's it's an affair. It is very much so. It's just it's, it's kind of like look at us. We're doing the Olympics. It's it is it is very like nationalistic very and jingoistic a little bit. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. They they Japan likes that kind of shit. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's Japan. <laughs> a lot of countries do. Yeah, UK does. America does very much so as well. Like the London Olympics in twenty twelve, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. When the London when London had their Olympics, it was also a shit show. Like it was awful so many humans like it's not it's not fun for the people who live there you know yeah it, it's the worst for the entire olympics i was like time to stay in my house and do nothing because literally if i go to if i go outside to like london i'm fucked like it's so busy everywhere's full no one really knows what they're doing as well that's the thing everyone's sort of just wandering around right that yeah that doesn't help and it makes it really hard to get from a to b it's very stressful new york has never had the olympics have they uh, maybe back before I was born, but I don't know. It seems like it's not conducive to it at all. We don't really have the space. <laughs> and there's no really big... Even, like, the teams that play for New York, like the Giants and the Jets, like, they technically play... Their stadiums are in New Jersey. So, like, it could happen if we, they did everything there. Even though everything's really in Jersey. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Seriously? No, I'm that New York is New York is, like, really tightly packed, isn't it? It's, like... Like, New York as a city is pretty old, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, they've kind of already built most of that main city area like uh like the infrastructure's there yeah take but, it to jersey boys no space here yeah I, I even think for the world cup like it's supposed to be u.s canada and mexico like sharing it just to like distribute everything just to ensure we have enough space sense the world cup yeah the, oh fuck, i think okay. 20 20 something in the, in, the, in the way future hopefully when the plague is gone Man, this play game, this play is here to stay. I think that'll be a good, another year and a half before we, we travel restrictions are on. Shit, yeah, America's looking at, y'all gonna be stuck in America for a while. Yeah, I think countries aren't gonna let us in. Yeah, no one's gonna let you in. Because it's still, like, even even if a vaccine came out tomorrow, yeah, there's still gonna be, like, millions of people infected. Yeah. And even if the vaccine came out tomorrow, like I, I doubt it's going to be distributed to everyone straight away. No, definitely not. The the it'll probably be politicians, rich people, and then everyone else. Knowing America, mm. knowing, <laughs> any, knowing, any, knowing anywhere. 
I mean, our, our healthcare system is particularly fucked up. So. Oh, we know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. we know. Oh my god. The, the amount of the amount of like American friends I have that go to the hospital here and they're like, I just paid fifty dollars. <laughs> yes, my god. Oh my god. What? <laughs> fifty bucks? <laughs> the, the reverse is true for me from the UK. Because we have like global health, we have like uh, yeah global, the, like, the NHS, the National Health Service. So like, I go to the like the doctors here, and I'm like, I had to pay twenty bucks. For <laughs> that, that was that was me too. <laughs> coming from Canada, I'm like, twenty five bucks for pills? What is this? What, what is this shit? Twenty bucks? I'm I'm very mad. Ooh, my American Monopoly friend, man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the fucking my well, my American friends are like, guys, I only paid twenty bucks for this ibuprofen. And I'm like, what? America hasn't broken <laughs> no, so I'm deal. sorry. America is a scam. I think that's widely established by now. America's a scam. (laughs) I want that on a t-shirt. America's a scam. (laughs) It is, though. I mean, you said you wanted to leave America, right? Were you looking to move somewhere else, you were saying? I mean, not particularly. I'm just trying to get my life together. But I think at one point in my life, I do want to live outside the U.S. for like an extended amount of time. Like, I haven't been any, like, outside a country longer than three months. I did, like, a semester abroad somewhere. But long, I, it hasn't been a long time in a country. I feel like that's, like, a unique life experience. You just kind of need to, you know, have and get. So it's something I want to do, but... I mean, I, I'm, I'm 22, so I still have a lot of life to live and sort of shit the you got out. You got plenty of time. No, yeah. <laughs> time. Honestly. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think I think moving moving to another country is, like, a... A great experience especially living there for a long time but i yeah. think there's a point when you move that you kind of have to you know shit or get off the pot like yeah you have to decide am i going to stay here for 10 20 30 years mm-hmm. or am i gonna go home because yeah. i think that there's this kind of uh there's like a clock right yeah where where is the point that going back home would be more annoying mm-hmm. than just staying here that it like having to go back home and start back at square one because that's what it for for me that's kind of part of the reason why i'm gonna stay here for a long time is going back home there's nothing for me there i'm literally going from where i have a nice you know apartment i have the things i want Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden if i went back home it's like i have to sell all this i have to you know go back home and then do it all over again and then maybe four years into living back home i finally caught up to where i already was it's just such a pain in the ass the thing with london is like going back to the uk especially london so let's put it this way the uk is basically london like if you're not living in london i don't know what the fuck you're doing in the uk it's 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 not like you so honestly you go to like london so i was born and raised there i got family in wales i went there a lot but being in London, you're like, wow, what a multicultural, what, what a metropolis. Look at all these races, look at all these humans. I can eat anything I want. You go north, like 20 minutes outside London, it is white town. There is, there is, that's it. It is just British people. It, it's like, it's like going to the fucking Shire. I'm like, is this Lord of the fucking Rings? <laughs> Where is the infrastructure? Who the, why is everyone tiny? You're all malnourished. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm trying to do is the wizard walking around. I'm just trying to go to a local store. I got motherfuckers like, hey, can you help me with this quest? I'm like, no! Very <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones like over there. Not today. He's like, not again. Last time took two months. I would not be doing another quest. For and you, I don't sir. remember any of the songs you sang. <laughs> 
that is pretty much outside London. It is, it is insane. So, like, you, you want to be in London, but then being in London, it's very, very expensive. And you are not getting any return on your investment being in London. Like, I always say London is a place you go to end your, to, like, finish your career. It's not a place you go to start it. So you want to be in London when you're ready, like a professional in whatever you do. You want to go to the big city. You want to make a lot of money. I'm ready, a professional. Cool, go to London. You can go there, spend the capital you've already gained somewhere else, and you can, like, work like a high-paying job. Because in London, it's pretty much all high-paying jobs if you have the skill. But to go there and start your career there, you get ready to fucking schlock it. It is hard. It is going to be constant struggle. Your rent's going to be expensive, like, expensive. You'll probably be living with people. You cannot afford rent by yourself. Especially if you're coming in from another country. Like, yep. do not expect to... Edmonton's the exact same way. There's no jobs. Rent is atrociously mm-hmm. expensive. Mm-hmm. And if you're not working in the oil fields, fuck you. Like, yeah. that's, basic- that's basically it. If you're working any other job that's not in oil, <laughs> you shouldn't be here. Does oil pay well? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, no one I, was having people- <laughs> I was having people make, like, half a million do drinking the shit the fuck yeah basically <laughs> yes because because they're 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 all stupid mm. all of them except for like the executives because the executives of course like they're gonna pocket money because they're smart but yeah. like the people who are just working on the rigs and they're making like you know 400k 500k mm-hmm. a year they're blowing it on like oh i got a sweet 100k lift on my truck it's like why oh i just bought a new house and you know now i have to after oil crashed, the amount of people mm. that said, now I have to foreclose on my house because I spent all my money and now I can't pay for it. Did, did no one have savings? No, because mm. again, right back to square one is mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. people are dumb. Uh, it happens so much. But yeah, like even even back home to rent a uh, like an apartment the size that I'm in. So I'm paying like roughly $700 US nice. a month for, nice. for this apartment. Back home... For something the size of like my kitchen in this room would have been close to two k. Holy a shit! A month. A month? Yes. Fuck that. It was same as London. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, sounds right for New York, Boston, San Francisco. <laughs> same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's pretty similar. What the fuck is going on? All all I want is a nice kitchen, so I can chef up some goodness in the kitchen. That's all I'm trying to do, David. Like, mm. Very like. So for those of you can't really see David's house, it's beautiful. He has like three bedrooms. Well, three rooms, forgive me. A kitchen. I wish I had three bedrooms. Man, that'd be great. Sick. That'd be nice. me. I, forgot, I forgot how rooms work for a second, because Japan, you just count the rooms, not the... <laughs> I live in a room. I live in a room. Yeah. Wait, so, like, so they advertise like, like apartments? It's like two rooms, three rooms, not like one bed, one bed? Yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty much. They, they use like a... They'll have in a listing, they'll have... A number, so it'd be one, two, or three. Yeah. And then they have a letter L, D, and K. So L is living room, D is dining room, K is kitchen. Yeah. So if you have like a one K, that means you have a room plus a kitchen. Yeah. It's very stressful. So like I think this is what a two two D K. Two D K. Yeah. Living room, dining room, kitchen type yeah. setup. It's a very stupid system. Yes. Like I I don't like it, but it's because a lot of Japanese like tiny little houses will have like the 1k type thing where it's like you have one room and you have a kitchen and your kitchen is like in your hallway it's like a little sliver yes yeah of a kitchen oh you you never came to my original first house did you the tiny the tiny house let me tell you about that tiny ass house (laughs) my kitchen was inside my bedroom that's not 
I could throw something from my bed into my sink. Yo, hell yeah, Kobe. <laughs> Did you say <laughs> what the fuck? So like, it, it would be an absolute nightmare because if if I decided okay tonight I want to cook Japanese curry or something, right? It's like I gotta throw plastic on anything that has fabric, or it will smell like curry for a week. That's so funny. <laughs> absolute worst oh man holy shit That's and i was weird. paying 700 tough. bucks for that place you're paying 700 Damn bucks snow? for that yeah it, the company screwed me on that ah. one so you understand why i've moved since then yeah no yeah yes. i definitely do the company will screw you mm. Mm. on your apartment I, yeah i bet you they they're they were actually probably paying like 400 but yes. then we're like give us seven um, yeah <laughs> They definitely wanted their cut. They were doing all the administrative work. The the company has um like connections with different agencies and such, and that's how they put houses out. So they go, "You live here because we have relationships with this agency," kind of thing. Like it's not a case of like we're gonna find this guy the best apartment. It's like fuck you, you live here. It's like yeah, we need thirty beds for these students. They don't. We don't care. Yo, literally, yeah. yeah. They don't. They don't know enough Japanese to complain anyway. That's it. Yes. That's yeah. it. They, <laughs> see, see, but that kind of bullshit won't work on us because no. we do know Japanese. Because y'all, because y'all did know. Dude, uh, let me tell you the story. You'll like this a lot, both of you. And listeners. Wait, wait, which game was? So, um, they put me in a house 15 minutes from the station. Okay? So, you had to take a bus or you had to walk. It was very far from the station. And the company has this thing where they'll go, You there, sir, we need someone to cover this school. So you have to now go, schlock your way like an hour to another school and teach there. And the, uh, the rule is like, if the school is a certain amount of time away, you can say no. But if it's in your range of travel, you can't really turn it down. And here's the issue. I get a call one day in the morning and they're like, Jordan, fuck you. You need to go to this school exactly 59 minutes from your station. Okay. From your station. And go and work there. And I was like, from my station, you say? They're like, yep, fuck you. It's 59 minutes from your station. You have to go. I'm like, my man, I don't live at the station. I live in my house. My house is 15 minutes from the station. Do the math. The woman's like silent on the phone. She's like, but the station. I'm like, yeah, I don't live there. She's like, but... But who will go? And I'm like, that's not my problem. <laughs> she was like, I'll call you back. She hangs up. She must have spoke to someone. She calls it back and she was like, oh, yeah, we, okay, it's fine. We found someone else. And I'm like, you don't have to call. I, I was like, I've gone back to sleep. You don't have to call me back. I wasn't going to go. And they like, they never called me again to like do a sub assignment. Because they were like, this motherfucker ain't going to go. <laughs> nope. And I was not going to go. I was fucked up of them anyway. I'm glad. I'm glad you weaselled your way out of that. <laughs> oh man, I weaseled my way out of a lot in this company. It was, it was what I, it was what I was known for. Yeah, they stopped calling you after a while because they knew it was just a futile and endeavor. Know, yeah. yeah. If you if you if you um you weasel your way out of out of enough things in the company, they go ah this man cannot be tricked. We have to call a trickable employee because I had like my god the bet that same day another one of our um, friends who live like further down the line that I do got called to do that school 
and he was like oh man i've got to travel like an hour to this school to teach there and i'm like <laughs> no you don't sucks, sucks to suck <laughs> why did you do it like you could have said no <laughs> and he's like what you can we can say no I'm like yes of course you can say no idiot <laughs> <laughs> so speaking more on this program we're like what was the distribution of countries like i know they're t- roughly english speaking was it mostly american or like we're a good mix of people from the uk canada australia like what was the vibe i think like? it was a pretty good mix pretty good yeah yeah because how many okay out of out of the people that we came here with i'm from canada you're from the uk finn was uk we had like Am three we had three brits we had a handful of americans there's always more americans yeah I think that's just because they have their we're their so massive from there more often. Yeah, a lot a lot of schools in Japan want to learn like American English. There's a lot of Jamaicans. Though. There's a lot of Jamaicans. Oh, yeah, really? a lot of Jamaicans. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm Jamaican. I was I'm so Jamaican surprised. American. Say it again. So I'm Jamaican American. So I, I don't know that. My dude, I'm Jamaican Welsh. <laughs> it's the weirdest mix. <laughs> but there's, there's, there's like ton of Jamaicans like from like jamaica yeah, from jamaica from the homeland so they from... they speak that patois they do it's 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 glorious like whenever they spoke i'm always like nanny grandma grandma is that you <laughs> but like it's really hard to explain but japan has a weird love affair with like jamaican culture so there's like a dance hall thing here oh yeah oh. that's true now that you mentioned it you seen that? Sure. yeah yeah yeah, it's very, it's like a weird underground culture where they have like, there's like dance hall here, there's like people who really like Jamaica. There's a Jamaican f- a festival, like, yes, in, in Shizuoka. Yeah, I've been to it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's cool. Like, they have a very interesting, like, they have like a Japanese women who dance dance hall, speak English like, like, like a Jamaican. Like, like, like yeah. they were born and raised on the fucking island. Like, it's crazy. And, it's very interesting to talk to these people because, like, they feel like Jamaica is like a, a free country. It's like a everyone's a bit more relaxed there, right? Which is very counter to what Japan is. Very sort of stoic. A bit more. They'd be surprised. I'm telling you, dude. Like they, they don't know. But you know, same thing about people coming to Japan. The whole rosy-eyed image of Japan. Same thing. Them going to Jamaica with like Jamaica is like this great place that has like X, Y, and Z, and I want to go and right. live there and blah blah blah. But there is a very interesting culture of people loving Jamaica here. So you can find, like, Jamaican food here if you really want to. Yeah, if you look hard enough, you can find it. You can't find plantain, though. Oh, damn. Nope. <laughs> not, not a thing. It's... No, I can't find it. You have to order it, like, specially online or go to, like, specialized markets. Mm-hmm. But I really... I'm craving it now because it's been, like, two years. Yeah, I want an English breakfast. Say it again? So I don't think I can go two years without some plantain. <laughs> Bro, it's so hard. Like, an English breakfast in a Jamaican household in the UK, it's the same as an English fry up. It's like, it's eggs, it's beans, it's toast, it's sausages, but there's also plantain. And it's fucking... I don't think I've ever eaten plantains. <laughs> David! <laughs> yeah, you, you, it's plantain. <laughs> what is this friendship? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get us some. I'm gonna order us some. I mean, I come from a frozen wasteland. Can I you forgot. really blame me? <laughs> we, we don't I have care. plants, dude. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Eight months of the year, there are no plants. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> yeah. Canada sucks. Yeah, dude, it's cold. <laughs> so we're coming up on the end of the podcast, sort of the last few questions that we have. But I guess if you had any advice to offer someone who was trying to pick up their life and 
gonna move somewhere random, maybe Japan, maybe not. What, what would you tell them? If you have to sort of keep it quick, keep it concise. Hmm. Oh, mine's easy. Okay. Yo, just do it. <laughs> Yo, fuck it, just go. <laughs> you Nike? My, my, good, I don't want, good right, good right, co- copyright. Quote, Jordan, quote. Fuck it, just go. <laughs> just go, just do it, fuck it, seriously. Like, if you waste time thinking about it constantly, you're like, uh, but like, what about, how am I gonna language, and what about, no, fuck it. Save the money, prepare, prepare and just go. Yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment. If yeah. you, if you... If you always spend time planning, mm. you'll you'll never go. Never. Just you just gotta go. Yep. Pick a country you're interested in. Just go. Fuck it. See what it's about. You don't like it? Go to another place. I mean, yeah. What like what's the worst that could happen? You spend a a bad year. Like you you get a visa for a year. You spend a bad year and you go ah this sucks and then you go home. Like <laughs> not really much has changed in a year. Nothing. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's good advice. Good job. <laughs> I think, like, for me, um, I think we harp on this a lot on our own podcast, but yeah. it's, if you're coming here, it's learn Japanese, but Man. if you're going somewhere else, learn the language first. Like, yeah. don't go over there just being an absolute rube. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're going to have, it's not going to, it's going to be so much more enriching and yeah. enjoyable if you know at least a little bit of the language. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you don't got to go in fluent, but go in, like, knowing some words and phrases. Like, it really helps. Mm -hmm. Like, really, really helps. I can see that. Yeah, I think Japan's definitely one of those big language barriers. You're not going to be able to, like, figure it out or, like, sightsee words, like, in Spanish or French or something. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Nah, bro. It's what? Combined, combined, you and me together have probably, what, close to 10 years Japanese experience? Yeah. We're like maybe one third of a Japanese person. <laughs> Yo, bro, I'm one third. I'm one third of a Japanese fucking high schooler. I can yeah, tell you. yeah, it's shit, dude. It's rough. It's it, yeah. You can you can probably break into Europe and just sort of fucking dope your way around Europe without any language skills. Yeah, maybe. But you get to Asia, you play that game one hard. A- Asia, Asia don't care. Asia don't. Asia. They really don't. <laughs> So moving to the last question, which is a staple that I ask every every guest that comes from the podcast. And I know you guys touched on this a little bit earlier, but do you think your migration journey is over? So do you see yourself living in Japan forever, trying it out in another country, going back home? Is, still up, is it still up in the air? Hmm. For me, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. I'm gonna stay here. Japan's really easy to live, and I want, like, in the future, I want to open my own cafe in Japan. So I'm pretty much gonna be here. There's there, there are things I still want to do here. Um, I might move around Japan a bit. I might go to another prefecture, live there for a while, maybe. But generally, I don't think I would leave Japan to live somewhere else. Like, man, Japan really spoils you. It's too convenient. You know what I mean? Mm, a little bit, yeah. I think for me, I'll, I'll, it'll probably be the same. I'll probably die here to be honest <laughs> morbid <laughs> no but i mean like that that's what my long-term plan is right yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, like i'm i don't think i would go anywhere else because i'm not in like other other than a trip i'm just not interested in living anywhere else yeah i, I like that. it here and yeah, yeah. yeah die in japan become a ghost yeah can haunt haunt some old buildings yeah dude sick i want to be a gaijin ghost 
fucking sick, dude. <laughs> so you guys seem pretty set in stone with that. Do you think that's common with a lot of expats? In Japan, do a lot of people... Cause you guys said there's a lot of churn and a lot of turnover, but people who make make it past that, you know, that one to three year mark, do they tend to make the long haul or what, what have you guys found? A lot of them do tend yeah. to live here for I, a long I time. Think, mm. I think if you... If you can make it to three years, you can make it to 30 years. Yeah, okay. honestly. Because after three, that's when you start getting your shit together. That's when you'll That's when you'll get a girlfriend or boyfriend. That's when you'll start a family. That's when yeah, you'll yeah, yeah. Have, be set in a job that you can do mm. for until you retire, time, yeah. right? So I think, yeah, that's probably pretty common, I'd yeah, imagine. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I, I, a lot of people do stay for a long time. Like, I feel like if they do travel back to their home countries a lot of time it's because like their respective partner is like i want to live in america for a while or, like i want to live in the yep. uk for a while yes, i, w- I yeah. want to raise i, I see that yeah. happening a lot too like they have kids i want to raise our kids back in like america the uk because like the education system can be a little bit better there depending on where you go where you are yeah so it's pretty yeah it's good well thank you guys so much for coming on sharing your story sharing your journey so before we go and wrap is there you guys have a few things, magazines, your podcast. We just so shout out what you want to shout out and give you this time and opportunity. Okay, awesome. So, uh, if you want to listen to our podcast, that is very much not the podcast that says Japan is the best, greatest place you yeah. ever did did done go. Um, you can catch us at the Tokyo Fresh podcast. You look it up on Google; it'll be like the first search result. Yeah, it's basically everywhere. Yeah, uh, we have Instagram. That's Tokyo Fresh Podcast. Uh, and the email also is Tokyo Fresh Podcast at gmail.com. So if you have questions you want to ask us about, what's it like coming to Japan? You know, should I live here? What's the deal? We have episodes on that if you want to watch it, if you yeah. want to ask us questions, if you want to contact Jordan, he's at Afro in Japan. Afro in Japan. Um, yeah, it's my Instagram. Hit me up there. It's, I use Twitter as well, but not really. I, I just tweet, I tweet controversial things. That's it on Twitter. But you know, <laughs> give it a go. It's pretty fun. No, honestly, that's all I tweet. Um, apart from that, hit me up on Instagram. It's where I sort of live and work. It's Afro in Japan. Uh, pretty much what I have. Yeah, I think fun. that's it. Yeah. Dude, thanks for having us on. It was great fun. Yeah. Of course. It was great hearing from you guys. Learning about- that was such a fun one to record. Uh, David and Jordan are hilarious, and I highly advise you check out Tokyo Fresh. I'm probably going to add it into my own rotation of podcasts, so just so you guys know that. But as always, I hope this was fun and informative for you all as it was for me. Remember to like our page on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Pushpole Factor on all socials. We have a website, pushpullfactor.com. And maybe I need to make a damn TikTok too and do some dances or something, you know, get to get the viewership up. And also, please subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast, leave a review, give us a rating, hopefully a five-star one, but I can't tell you what to do just yet. But yeah, have a good one, everyone.